From KBOO in Portland, Oregon, this is Religion for Life. Religionforlife.com. I'm John Shuck. Political infiltration of the church has become enormous. The idea that Jesus is a Republican, a conservative Republican, is out there. Rise of Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Anita Bryant, the Christian Coalition, the Moral Majority, all of that from the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. So when I looked at this information, for example, one former Christian said to me, quote, I hated hating people. Hmm. He became tired of distrust among other people, of not being able to believe that liberals or Democrats or agnostics or LGBT people are equal under the law and equal under heaven. So a lot of young people today are especially dissatisfied with the heavy republicanism and the heavy conservative politics uh, that they hear from their pulpits every day. His book is called Killing God, Christian Fundamentalism and the Rise of Atheism. Rodney Wilson published his master's thesis asking why people deconvert from religion to atheism. No matter where you are on the religious spectrum, you will find this book and our conversation today interesting and important on why so many people are saying so long to religion. Rodney Wilson is also the founder of October as LGBT History Month. He teaches history and religion at a community college in Missouri and is on the phone with me to talk about killing God. Welcome, Rodney, to Religion for Life. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy to be here. This is an interesting book with a fascinating title, Killing God. Uh, how did you happen to uh, write this book? Well, I was uh, getting a master's degree in religion because I'd studied religion all my life, but I didn't have any credential thought it was time to get through the credential. And as part of that, of course, I had to write a thesis. I was going to do it on Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, their 1914 prophecy and how that has changed and decided just to do a paper on that. And then I thought I might do it on post-World War II American apocalyptical Christianity, Hal Lindsey, late great planet Earth, thief in the night, and all that sort of thing, and decided to just do a paper on it. And then finally stumbled on this topic, because the idea of conversion and deconversion, or the idea of even becoming a Republican after having been a Democrat, or a Democrat after having been a Republican, is fascinating to me. And I encountered lots of ex-Christians online, and a few in my life, and I started thinking that it would be a very interesting topic to determine precisely why some former conservative or evangelical or fundamentalist Christians, uh, those who really, really believed with all of their heart, why they deconvert, why they end up leaving not only Christianity, but actually uh, leaving religion altogether and deconverting and becoming agnostic or atheist. So how did you conduct this study? Well, I, I did a survey online. Um, nearly 1,600 former Christians completed the survey. Just about 400 of those, or one-fourth, were formerly conservative, evangelical, or fundamentalist, CEF. Uh, many questions were asked online uh, with lots of open-ended opportunity for them to uh, really dive into a question and give me a, a lot of detail uh, beyond just the actual data or statistics. 
So from that um, online survey, I culled out uh, information uh, specifically around the topics that I thought, based upon my former encounters with uh, former uh, Christians who are now agnostic or atheist, areas that I thought probably they would touch on, like higher criticism of the Bible, for example, and how coming to see that the Bible is not actually an inerrant, uh, perfect word of God uh, contributed to their beginning to have doubts about their Christianity. I looked into science and the role in which coming to understand the scientific method, uh, coming to encounter biological evolution, and the fact that uh, the long-held view that a God is required for a creation uh, no longer holds weight among many, uh, the way that would impact the faith that they once had. I also looked at and came away from uh, all of that survey material with the idea that conservative politics and the way in which, in America at least, uh, CEF Christianity uh, has become a strong ally of conservative politics, uh, the Republican Party in particular, uh, the way that might impact their eventual loss of faith. And then finally, theodicy and the uh, ways in which our current theological views about suffering and why people suffer and the cause and purpose of suffering uh, doesn't seem to answer questions for the modern person uh, in the way it once did. So in your of your 1,600 people who filled out the survey, uh, you say 400 of them were what you call CEF, that's Conservative Evangelical Fundamentalists? Yes. All right. So for four hundred, and what were the uh, what were the other uh, twelve hundred? Uh, they were uh, formerly Christian as well, uh, but not of the conservative or evangelical or fundamentalist branches. So they may have been uh, Presbyterian. They may have been Roman Catholic. Uh, they may have been a liberal Baptist group. Uh, but I wanted to be able to distinguish between the various groups because I was particularly interested in those who were what I had once been. Uh, I, though not raised in a religious family, always had a very strong religious orientation. I always sought out religion. I would be up on a Sunday morning watching religious television while everyone in the household was asleep, and I got involved in uh, fundamentalist religion, a Pentecostal denomination, the Assemblies of God, which is headquartered here in Missouri, so for me, I was particularly interested in those who had been in that sort of a background before, where they really believed every word in the Bible was true, where they believed literally uh, in all the various uh, miracles and pronouncements uh, in the Bible, and how they would go from absolute belief, absolute certainty, and absolute conviction about their faith to eventually throwing it all away. You know, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, about that conversion, because I find that fascinating myself. Uh, but before we get there, uh, the other, and so everybody of your 1600 all switched, all deconverted to atheism, or what did they call themselves, or did they call themselves something different? They did deconvert uh, to agnosticism or atheism. Many of them uh, of the CEF variety had gone from a conservative Christianity to a more open-minded, liberal Christianity, maybe then into a deistic uh, variety of Christianity, and then eventually 
And for many of them, it was a long and difficult and even painful process. For others, it wasn't as long or difficult or painful. But eventually, yes, they came down ultimately uh, with the viewpoint uh, that there is no God, uh, or there may be, but I see no evidence for a God, and I will not then, you know, henceforth align myself with any particular religious denomination. And none. And the the CEFs. And I've I've found this anecdotally. Uh, maybe maybe this will be true this way, or maybe not. Um, are not particularly keen on just becoming a liberal Methodist or something like that, or kind of going halfway or becoming a Unitarian. It seems that they're in or out. Yes, I think you're right. There's something called setting expectation in politics, where before a debate, for example, a particular candidate and all of uh, that candidate's um, uh, spin people will say, oh, our, our candidate will do fine, but, you know, he's not really so good at it, or before a primary, he may not end up at first place, he may end up at second or third. It's diminishing the expectation so that if they go beyond that, everyone's thrilled. I think that's what happens here uh, in terms of uh, belief and the type of Christian belief. If the pastor sets a very high expectation, for example, regarding the Scripture, that it is inerrant, that there are no errors, uh, that everything it says about history is real history, that it all happened exactly as it's described, if a pastor sets that, and then over time, a person, through exposure to higher criticism, for example, uh, Bart uh, Ehrman, for example, mm -hmm. uh, went through this exact process. Over time, you begin to lose faith in the inerrancy of Scripture, and for many people, that's the beginning. And they come to believe, well, if the pastor said everything in here is true, and now I have found something that most certainly is not true, therefore they begin to doubt uh, the entire idea of any sort of information that one could uh, take away from the Bible that might be beneficial to a spiritual life. And over time, they walk away altogether from not only belief in inerrancy of Scripture, but from that variety of Christianity. Yeah, and so the, the whole thing uh, becomes tainted, doesn't it? The, you know, once this structure falls down, there's really just nothing left to build the pieces again together. Exactly. And in my uh, research, about just over half of the former Christians uh, that I interviewed, this would be all of them, did indicate that ex being exposed to the historical critical method did play a very or a somewhat important role in their deconversion. So loss of faith in an inerrant Word of God did contribute for over half of them to the beginning of the end of their embracing of faith. Rodney Wilson is my guest. If you've just joined us on Religion for Life, he's the author of Killing God, Christian Fundamentalism and the Rise of Atheism. And of course, that's the meaning of your the title of your book in, in that Christian fundamentalism actually uh, is responsible for, in a sense, this rise of, of atheism or non-belief in some degree. I believe so. Um, and in fact, if a person reads the entire book, near the end there's a chapter a Dear John Letter to the Church, in yeah. which I allowed these former Christians um, to say to the Church, here are some things you need to do. This would make you better. This would make it less likely that you will uh, continue to lose young people. And all the Pew Research information tells us time and time again that young people are much less religious, much less likely to 
uh, identify with any particular religion. You know all about the rise of the nuns and so on. But what I think uh, Christian pastors need to do is set expectation lower. Hmm. And I think they can do this theologically. I think they can say, you know what, we actually don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Instead, we believe Jesus is the Word of God. So there's an appropriate theological way to get away from the concept of inerrancy of Scripture. A pastor can say, science is awesome. We believe in science. Uh, We agree with science that there's all sorts of evidence out there that life evolved on the planet, but we still believe that at the very beginning of it, at the moment of the Big Bang, God was there. So theologically, they don't have to abandon, abandon the idea of God as a creator. They simply need to walk away from the great suspicion that is harbored in the hearts of many conservative Christians about the ideas that are found within science altogether. And so um, of the areas that kind of made people deconvert uh, was higher criticism of the Bible, uh, the understanding of science. And I want to talk a little bit about science. We just had this conversation, just a a few of us just casually the, uh, the other day, thinking about how is it that people who are engineers, uh, scientists, um, can uh, be that, and then on the other hand, think that the Earth was created uh, in six or seven days. Uh, How does that um, play a part? Do you have an idea about the psychology of how you can just kind of hold those two views in your head? I think the human mind is very great at compartmentalizing information so as to prevent cognitive dissonance. And when you have been raised with a belief in a literal Genesis 1 and 2 account of creation, seven days with God actively involved, forming humankind from the dust of the ground, when you believe that, when you're taught that from youth on, when you do begin to encounter information that's contrary to that, you you have one of two choices. One is to throw out what you've been taught by your grandparents and your parents and your pastor and other people you've loved in the community Uh, that help raise you, or the other alternative would be, of course, to go the other direction uh, and accept the new information. But what more than likely happens, at least initially, is that people just begin to accept both. They have in their own mind that non-overlapping magisteria that Stephen Jay Gould talked about. So in one part of their mind, they believe in Genesis 1 and 2 literally in a creative event uh, that initiated itself in God. And then on the other part of their mind, nine to five, while they're on the job, they're a science and they're looking at things based on uh, evidence and use of the scientific method. So they uh, keep things separate and equal in some, <laughs> in some degree or another. But at one point, um, it, it gets too much, right? If finally, you just can't hold these two things together and, and something, uh, um, what, clicks, shatters, and, and the world uh, kind of begins to tumble. That's right. 75%, three-fourths of the former conservative CEF Christians that I interviewed, three-fourths reported that increased understanding of science was a very or a somewhat important factor in their deconversion. So you had higher criticism of the Bible, science, and conservative politics. Uh, And I'm I'm assuming that it would have to do a lot with with sexuality as well. That's absolutely right. Um, Unfortunately, Today's, uh, what I and I'm sure others call American Republican Christianity, uh, is no longer satisfactory for the young crowd, especially. Mm -hmm. 
the political infiltration of the church has become enormous. The idea that Jesus is a Republican, a conservative Republican, is out there. Rise of Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Anita Bryant, the Christian Coalition, the Moral Majority, all of that from the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. So when I looked at this information, for example, one former Christian said to me, quote, I hated hating people. Hmm. He became tired of distrust among other people, of not being able to believe that liberals or Democrats or agnostics or LGBT people are equal under the law and equal under heaven. So a lot of young people today are especially dissatisfied with the heavy republicanism and the heavy conservative politics uh, that they hear from their pulpits every day. There was a wonderful article in Foreign Affairs magazine a couple years ago. It's called God and Caesar in America. You can probably Google it. Uh, but that also um, affirmed what I found in my study, uh, that young people are not interested any longer in conservative politics as part of their religion. Uh, when they think of religion, they think of republicanism, and that's not very satisfying to them. And then I also found nearly 60% of the former conservative Christians I interviewed who've now deconverted, nearly 60% claimed that their own liberalizing views about LGBT issues, for example, did contribute at least somewhat to their conversion. So that sort of seems to be uh, the issue around which various sides are coalescing. And those who have LGBT friends, family, loved ones, they are finding it particularly difficult to remain in conservative Christian congregations. Rodney Wilson, my guest on Religion for Life, author of Killing God, Christian Fundamentalism and the Rise of Atheism. You talked a little bit about uh, your story earlier, uh, Ray, or becoming involved in the Assembly of God Church and rather conservative, uh, a CEF, a conservative evangelical fundamentalist. So what was it for you um, that... Uh, invited you to change or to deconvert if you did? Well, I think all of these things, of course, and it was a long process. I remember studying uh, Henry Morris's early 1970s book about the remarkable birth of planet Earth. It was an early young Earth creation book. I did everything I could to defend my own view about Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, I did everything that I could to maintain my own view about inerrancy of Scripture. I remember reading books called Alleged Discrepancies of the Bible and How to Solve Them. Uh, but over time, uh, one has to simply admit the truth of a situation because the truth does set us free. And in this case, coming to understand that the Bible is not the inerrant Word of God, coming to understand that uh, science contributes so much to the human race and that there's so much evidence behind ideas like, for example, evolution uh, which is one of the linchpin issues for lots of people and has been since 1859 with the origin of species, I came to be uh, quite dissatisfied with conservative politics and with the Republican Party. Uh, the teachings around theodicy no longer satisfied me, much like in uh, Bart Ehrman's book, God's Problem, How the Bible Fails to Answer Our Most Important Question, Why We Suffer. It no longer satisfied me in that area as well. And then belief in hellfire, which was one of the early doctrines I gave up. Uh, that's something, too, that these days people 
uh, have a lot of difficulty with reconciling a loving God with hellfire. So over time, I moved from being who I still am, which is really a theistically inclined person by nature or by orientation. But when I look at the evidence and I look at the philosophy, uh, deism makes a lot more sense to me. But when I look at the minutiae, you know, when I look at the dig down into the theology and the various questions and the denominations and the religions, which is right and which is wrong, on that I'm agnostic. I, I simply don't have any evidence uh, that would lead me to wholeheartedly embrace any particular religion or any particular domination. But I still have uh, an inclination uh, toward theism, and that is something that I think was simply born within me and, and maintains uh, to this day as part of my personality and who I am. Deism is uh, the idea that uh, God uh, kind of started things up and then faded back and let natural processes do its thing. That seems to be, yes, that's it, and that seems to be an intellectually satisfying, even a spiritually satisfying uh, position that one can arrive at. Uh, Eliminate God from the day-to-day existence. Eliminate God from trying to find a parking spot or giving someone cancer or not giving someone cancer and put God out there somewhere as an ultimate cause or a ground of being, I think that can be reasonable and intellectually satisfying. Believing, though, in various doctrines that come out of a theocratic understanding of any religion, be it Islam or Christianity or whatever, simply doesn't make sense to me and I think is unhealthy Uh, for the human race, and stands in the way of advancement toward truly eliminating the enemies of humanity, which are war and poverty and and hunger and disease. Sometimes the charge is made, Rodney, that uh, fundamentalist Christians, the CEFs you're talking about, leave the church or deconvert and become kind of fundamentalist atheists. What do you make of that charge? Is there any uh, merit to that? There might be some merit to that initially, because I think a person feels so betrayed and so lost, and they might feel that they wasted a lot of time when Mm -hmm. they were in that other uh, faith, that I do think sometimes they come out of the box quite uh, evangelical about their agnosticism or atheism. I think it's a, a natural place to find themselves at initially. I would hope that maybe it becomes sort of transitional and that while they never uh, give ground to hard religion again, obviously, and they oppose it, especially when it becomes dangerous to themselves or to others, and we see that in the world daily, mm-hmm. uh, I hope that the what is for some, I suppose, anger, I hope that that can dissipate because anger is, is not healthy for any of us. And if one does feel that religion deprived them of something for many years in their life when they believed it, uh, it would be best not, once they stop believing, 
uh, to simply let it go and no longer allow it to have too much power over their lives or their thoughts. And once people deconvert, um, that can be a, a rather lonely place to be. And so there are support groups uh, for those who have uh, decided that the, the religion is, is certainly not working anymore and uh, non-belief or deconversion is the way to go. Uh, talk about uh, some of these groups like uh, Coming Out Atheist or The Out Campaign. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, Richard Dawkins' The Out Campaign uh, is all about saying, here we are. It's very much modeled on the LGBT campaign, the idea that if you come out as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender among family and friends, you're more accepted, people are more understanding. There are many, many groups online uh, for individuals who have deconverted, ex-Christian uh, .net comes to mind as one of them in which they have very active forums and support groups for those who were formerly Christian. Uh, one of the people I interviewed said that uh, losing his or her faith, I don't recall his or her, was miserable and horrific and lonely and painful. And another one I said that letting go of heaven was mm. actually the most painful aspect of the process for them. So there is suffering and this is something I would like the, the Church to recognize as well. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, they were never really a Christian anyway, or they wouldn't have left. That is simply not the case. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone I interviewed was a heartfelt, uh, sincere, true-believing Christian who loved God, loved the Bible, loved Jesus, loved the Church. It simply stopped working for them. And to say that they never really believed... Um, is, is an unacceptable response. Instead, I would like the Church to listen to what they have to say, to hear their stories, to think about what it is they're proposing and suggesting, because every religion, no matter how hard or soft it might be, can always find areas in which they can be better and they can reform. And I think the way in which they treat some of these issues we've discussed and the way in which they respond to those who no longer believe them is an area in which the church can do much better than it currently is. Rodney Wilson, author of Killing God, Christian Fundamentalism and the Rise of Atheism, is on the phone with me from Missouri. Uh, we have a little bit of time left. I want to switch the focus slightly. Uh, 1994 was a big year for you. You were the first openly gay K-12 teacher in Missouri and the founder of uh, October as LGBT History Month. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. I was um, uh, fresh out of college. I was a new a teacher at a high school in suburban St. Louis, and I did come out publicly. Uh, at the time, it, it caused um, some difficulties in terms of school board meetings that were not very happy. Um, I was not a tenured teacher at the time. That did happen, though, the following year after a school board election, actually, in which some conservative uh, candidates were defeated, candidates who said part of what they would do if they got on the board would be to let me go. And I did also, yes, at that time, uh, found uh, I founded um, Lesbian Gay History Month uh, in October. We just celebrated the 22nd annual LGBT History Month. And the reason for that was because I myself had learned so much and become so much better grounded in who I was as a gay person uh, by means of studying LGBT history that I thought uh, it might be helpful to others. So I modeled it uh, explicitly on... Uh, Black History Month, which was founded in 1926 by Carter Woodson, uh, and the same goals and uh, intentions were 
uh, there that I had with LGBT History Month, that Carter Woodson had with Black History Month, and others have had with Women's History Month, Asian History Month, and so forth. Well, I know that month and the day, even October 11th, has been very important in the lives of people who have, have come out to uh, accept themselves and accept others. That's right. Uh, in fact, I chose October because it was within the academic calendar, also because the 1979 and 1987 marches on Washington uh, were in October, and the 1988 uh, founding of October 11th as National Coming Out Day in commemoration of the one-year anniversary of the 1987 march, that also was already happening in October, so it seemed the uh, exact precise month in which to start a new event that would be a month-long event. Great. Uh, excellent work on that. And of course, and, the, and this fascinating book, Killing God, Christian Fundamentalism and the Rise of Atheism, uh, a great story, a great book, a great research uh, to understand uh, the mysteries of religion and fundamentalism and what it means to leave that behind and begin anew. Rodney Wilson, thank you for uh, being with me today on Religion for Life, and thank you for your work. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Religion for Life, religionforlife.com. Scholars, authors, and agitators for social justice are my guests. Religion for Life is free to radio stations. It's produced at KBOO Portland, Oregon, and available by podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Podomatic, Stitcher, Pod Directory, wherever else you find podcasts. New shows are uploaded every Sunday morning at 11 Pacific Time. Find the website, religionforlife.com. I'm John Shutt. Be well.